that building full of grace, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatches, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. And with me this week are my co-hosts, Jamin. Hello. And Victoria. Hello. And I am Jacob. And this week is episode 74, Gluttony, or It's Only Waffa Thin. <laughs> om nom 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 nom. I still think we should have all had like big gulps and giant sandwiches with us. While oh, we filmed this, I had like way too many pot stickers a few minutes ago. I can't, mm. I do not know how to stop eating pot stickers. In fact, I will, I will make pot stickers for three people and eat all of them. I do that with sushi. I don't, mm. yeah. yeah, especially like a sushi belt, the sushi yes. train. Have you been to Sushi Junai? No, I haven't oh been my yet. Gosh. It's like $40 and it's all you can eat, quite good sushi. Oh my God. Sis. We should go there right now and record. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. Uh, we'll catch you next time. I guess dim sum is another place where gluttony Ooh. occurs. I can't handle that because the price tag, I can see the prices and it freaks me out. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. For your conveyor belt sushi, uh-huh. a young coworker of mine just recently went to the conveyor belt sushi place here in Austin for the first time. Oh. And. Mm-hmm. They were saying, oh, this seems like fun. The plates are only $3 a piece and I'm poor and broke. And then they're like, pause, dot, dot, dot. 10 minutes later, we'd spent $64. Yeah, exactly. Especially because, well, I've been to places where the plates are color coded. Mm. And so you just grab what you like, but then you realize like, oh, that was like a $5 plate, right? $3 plate. Yes. So. I, again, sushi Junai, all you can eat, 40 or 40 ish bucks. Okay, we're going to go. It is delightful. And they have, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. I should probably go on a weekday when it's not packed. It has something called a salmon ass roll. You know, how else do salmon mm. sit? That's fair. Uh, I don't even know how that works biologically. Salmon do have asses. I guess everything. But I don't know. Is it real? Like, is it really what we think it is? I mean, there's not like two big cheeks <laughs> up and down when the salmon dances or anything like, like that. Like twerks. Yeah. <laughs> salmon don't twerk. No. That's our next album. Actually, they do. When they're when they're spawning, when they're going upstream, they kind of twerk. When they're trying to get over, like, you know, thing, like they're going up cliffs or going up waterfalls and things, they kind of twerk. I feel... That flapping is not the same as twerking. I mean, maybe to a salmon, it's salmon twerking. Hang on. Salmon goes side to side. Yes. Twerking is up and down. It is. Okay. Okay. Jamin, biology. No, I I, I think that that is a good definition that one should really like moor your ship to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's fish don't twerk. No. All right. Okay. I brought some entertainment. Okay, oh. I'll, stop, I'll stop with the salmon twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Laying face down in an icy frozen garbage dump while Kerberos jumps up and down on you like a cat trying to wake you up. <laughs> that That's is, pretty terrible. That is directly from the Inferno. 
Yeah. Oh, don't make me cite my sources. <laughs> it's the all cat version of the Inferno. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I was going to try to make a pun, but I, the Inferno. Ah, see, ah. I was able to do it. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> ah. Oh, I brought some drinks. Yes. Oh. I, brought, I brought a drink and then a kind of dad joke drink. So horroraddicts.com has a little feature, what would the seven deadly sins drink? And gluttony always brings their own super big gulp. And that super big gulp is of the current Mountain Dew limited flavor. And then it has yeah. a five hour energy in their pocket for later. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. I thought they poured the five hour energy into the Mountain Dew. Like, oh my God. Like that would a, just be disgusting. I mean, I drink. I I hate Mountain Dew. However, I do partake of Five Hour Energy sometimes. Those are disgusting. Bomb, except terrible. <gasps> Speaking of terrible, did you know there's like a is it like a Dorito flavored vodka now? Oh, I saw uh, that. People say it's good. I guess it would be good in a Bloody Mary. Oh, is it a Bloody Mary? I think it'd be good in a blade. So, so next time we're together, we have to try that out. Spicy cheese vodka. <laughs> Is it Doritos? I think it's Dorito flavored vodka. I hate like sugar bomb drinks. I like a savory drink oh. or like at least a like tart, like, like a refreshing lemony limey drink, but not sweet drinks. So I hate sweet flavored vodkas. So this Nacho cheese flavored vodka. Mm-hmm. And right next to it is an ad for sausage tree vodka, <laughs> which, which I don't think it's going to be any better. I mean, since we've already had a conversation about smoked salmon vodka, is there anything really surprising out there? No. I feel like smoked salmon vodka would be better than nacho cheese vodka. I really I... tried to get you a bottle, but Christmas didn't happen that year. Oh. That's fine. That's fine. I... I, I think I'm going to I'm going to say Dorito flavored vodka is going to be better than salmon flavored vodka. Okay. Well, that means you know we have to get two bottles and compare, mm-hmm. and I really don't want to do that to myself. Well, well, we'll do it together. Oh, and so my uh, real drink. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you guys uh, heard of the world's most expensive milkshake? Is it the one with like the gold foil? Yes. Like on top. Yep, yep. Okay. So it's the Lux milkshake from uh it's a New York City restaurant, Serendipity. It uh-huh. cost $100. Oh. And it is made with Tahitian vanilla, which is mixed with rich high-fat Jersey milk from English cows. Uh added to that is buttery clotted cream from Devonshire. Uh-huh. Or Devonshire. Fresh vanilla beans from Madagascar and 23 karat edible gold. Probably sounds like a vanilla milkshake that sparkles. It's probably it's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with like high fat oh milk God, from yeah. uh-huh. Jersey from- cows. Hmm. When we get to Lust, I found an ice cream recipe that used like five different aphrodisiacs. Oh, no. Are yeah. not oysters. No, no. Like guarana, more herbal stuff. I didn't know guarana was a aphrodisiac. It's an energy. So one. One might assume. Okay. Well, considering the conversation we're about to have tonight, I brought the only logical thing. Everything. Uh, Homes. Oh, good choice. Oh, anti-acid tablets. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have brands. three to begin with. <laughs> you know, you're not so, well, I did not realize that you're not supposed to. Well, a lot of people take those for calcium. I found that out a long time ago. Yeah. Really? I think, I think, well, at least some version has a lot of calcium, but you're not supposed to take, like, I've taken like fistfuls of them before and you're really not supposed to do that. I didn't know that. It says take four. What? I have like two. I uh, Maybe I'm thinking of well, the Pepto-Bismol tablets you're not supposed to take like oh, fistfuls the ones, of. Yeah. The oh, the pink so. ones? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It tastes like strawberry chalk anyway. I'd rather avoid them. <laughs> they taste like, do you remember um, when they used to give you those little tablets to show where you're, where there's tartar on your teeth? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what, what they taste like to me. Did you never did you never did that in school? No. Oh, it was <laughs> it was way more fun than it should have been, but they would give like it was, you know, when they were doing like a little health thing about because you're in school and it's gross, and that's the right. best part. Mm-hmm. So they would give you these little tablets that you would chew on and then it would show where you had tartar on your teeth. It would be like like pink and like pinkish red kind of. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. So everybody looked kind of vampire-y. <laughs> It was very entertaining. Do you think that the Draft House has ever done like a one of their set piece meal sets for seven? <laughs> oh man, I'm sure it has come up in conversation. Yeah, yeah. What a terrible mm-hmm. idea. But yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Gonna, maybe okay. Maybe that's something we do for the glass coffin. Oh no! Let's talk to the hell's. The Satan's chef and have like a seven course oh. meal. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Okay. We've got it all settled. I all think right. So. Okay. Uh, do we have any hell news? I think you have all the hell news. Oh, I have all the hell news. Okay. So this week's hell news Terry Gilliam wants Johnny Depp to play Satan in a new movie, Carnival at the End of Days. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like the general plot of this one is that God destroys the world and Satan wants to intervene to protect humanity. Again? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, Johnny Depp is a problematic dude, but yes. it's good casting. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think he'll make a good, a good Satan in like a kind of charming way. No, he's no Tom Ellis, though. No. Mm-mm. So um, I love Terry Gillum, so I'm also excited about that. What it, it, Speaking of which, what are y'all's favorites Terry Gillum movies? Hmm, I really love The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh-huh. Like all the clever things it does. Uh, Tom Waits as the devil is a really good choice. See, that's also a really, that's really good yeah. casting as it's well. A super, a super uh-huh. pretty film and it goes like interesting mythological places. And it's very tropey and it's just really well realized. Mm-hmm. I would say Brazil I love Brazil. That's one of my top favorite movies. Have you seen Tidelands? No. Mm-mm. Very awkward film. Little girl takes her drug addict father to kind of a field. He ends up dying and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, but never quite goes there. Oh, wow. I've yeah. never even heard of it. I bought it for Joseph for Valentine's Day one year. <laughs> that's fairly in keeping with our relationship, honestly. <laughs> I think Time Bandits is also maybe up there. Yeah. Time Bandits, too. He does really mean-spirited films. Yeah. Brazil, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why I love Brazil. I feel like we've talked about the, you know, the ending of Brazil and how it's often changed. 
specifically for American audiences. Oh, Time Bandits. That is an ending. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. So what are we, why are we here today? <laughs> it's the holidays. It's the holidays. And we want uh -huh. to talk about the seven de deadly dwarves, starting with gluttony. <laughs> because we're all going to eat too much. We're all going to eat a dwarf. It's, we may eat the equivalent of a dwarf. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And we're also going to drink too much. That's yes. Well, so those of us who imbibe will probably also drink too much. You can drink too much eggnog really easily. Oh, this my is, God. This is true. I love as a, like I love eggnog, but I didn't realize like I could drink a carton of that. No problem as a kid. Just but now it's it really is. Yeah. yeah don't look at that calorie count before you start drinking eggnog mm -mm. no but it's so delicious like good eggnog is so freaking delicious yeah oh i love making like the custard style eggnog oh my god homemade eggnog is so good you see i've never had your homemade eggnog i i, I miss out on a lot of your food experiments because i don't <laughs> i don't live with y'all it's true <laughs> I, I often double recipes so i'll usually make a gallon of eggnog okay yeah. all right I, I was out and I was like, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you need anything? And he texts back and he's like, uh, get an onion, a bunch of celery, celery, broth, this, 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 and 16 cups of broccoli. Nine pounds. Yeah. And I'm like, how much is 16 cups? And he's like, nine pounds of broccoli. And I normally I would be okay. And, like, and I wrote back, I'm like, are you sure you want nine pounds of broccoli? It's a lot of broccoli. It turns out I didn't want nine pounds of broccoli. No. <laughs> No, but when you math it out, it suddenly is nine pounds of broccoli. What were you making? A broccoli man. It's like a <laughs> snowman. It's like he's downstairs watching broccoli. TV. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it, was a, it was cream of broccoli soup. Oh, yeah. No, it was very good soup. It was. I I do like double everything I make though because hey, this is my deadly sin. Oh yeah, yeah. This is doubling things on my mm -hmm. list of deadly sins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're the deadly duplicator. So we are going to probably have like eight episodes on the seven deadly sins overall, maybe. Uh, the, but then there's other sins. Less deadly ones. Yeah, that are not listed in the canon. Well, yeah. Yeah, I just, just eight or nine. Like, I'm never going to like skip Vainglory if I have a chance to bring it up. Oh, gosh, no. No, it's and, an important one. Yeah. And then thinking about other cultures and what is considered sin and not sin. Oh, my gosh. I don't even think about international deadly sins. It's a very Catholic mm -hmm. concept. Tis, tis. I got a lot of uh, my two source, main sources for this were a published lecture on, what? yes, the New York uh, Public Library had a series of humanities lectures that focused on the seven deadly sins. So I Interesting. Um, read the, the gluttony one. And uh, from Francine P Prose. And then also I got a lot of stuff from the Catholic Standard. Yeah, the Catholic websites were really good for this. I mean, they they this is kind of that very planned out mapped sort of sort of theology that they're so good at. Which I really want to talk about in seven minutes. Okay. Okay. Seven minutes exactly. I'll set yeah. an egg timer for hardboiled. Okay. Also, there's a lot of weird stuff for kids out there. Like a lot of weird uh arts and crafts sort of experiments to show to explain concepts of sin to kids so yeah maybe we can there's that tie into, that tie into the idea that kids are just basically extremely innocent and don't know about sin 
I think, it, yeah. It must. It must. Is the exercise for gluttony the one where you have to stuff as many marshmallows in your mouth as you can and then say chubby bunny? No, no sadly. And it's also not the, um, the oh, what is the, the test with the marshmallow test? The famous marshmallow oh, test yeah, that yeah, turns yeah. out had a lot of issues. Go figure. But no, there's this crazy like Salvation Army video where a woman wearing a Salvation Army uniform is talking to this kid about sin. And she uh, she explains it with a water bottle that the kid has to poke holes in. And the experiment fails because putting the lid on the bottle is supposed to stop the water from flowing out, but it doesn't work. So they have to like cut in one that does work. Oh, um, yeah, that was strange. This is the... <laughs> <laughs> Thunder Bay Community Church Gluttony versus Self Control. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of things about this video I really liked. I like the declaration: "This water is life giving." <laughs> like, <laughs> huge, kind of all sensual language. Is self control the act of putting the cap on to create an internal yep. vacuum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Just like real of... life. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I'll tell you what my takeaway is: is that if you punch enough holes, you have to switch to the bigger container. <laughs> And everything works better. And I think that is probably not what they want me to take. That's right. This. You're going to need a bigger bowl. Yeah, bigger dish, more life. <laughs> I have to say what, what it conjured up for me is when uh, back in the day when I used to go to ACL, we would get sealed water bottles, poke little holes in the bottom, drain out the water, and then shoot vodka into it. <laughs> you have a seal and then tape up the hole. So you'd have a whole bottle of vodka that you could take in. And I think they figured it out. They were just kind of like, look at you like, okay, it's sealed. And so then you could put that in ices, you know, because or iced tea or whatever. You could bring bottled water in. You bring bottled water in, but you can't bring. If you know, it were sealed. If it was sealed. Uh-huh. Indeed. Does your, does your bottled vodka take you away from God in any way? No, ACL does that. AC okay. <laughs> Austin, Austin, Austin City Limits. Okay, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Not, okay. you know, like a torn tendon or whatever, but... Um, I, I do think yeah. I have a Bible reference on the Thunder Bay Community Church gluttony versus self-control. Ooh, yes. do tell. Um, make, it, from, make it relevant. Comes from Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, God is whining. Has an ever nation ever changed its gods? But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Oh, oh no. Yes. Yes. I'll thank uh, Ligoner, L-I-G-O-N-I-E-R dot org, virtues and vices on gluttony for that one. Oh, Okay. Also, can we just take a moment to talk about how what a terrible organization the Salvation Army is? Because <laughs> um, they're very uh, I'm not a fan. No, they're yeah, they're they're kind of nasty. Um, anywho's, but uh, can I tell you my favorite Bible quote? Sure. Even though gluttony is not technically in the Bible, as we discovered in our research, but Ooh. this is hey, I, uh... yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Are you going to argue with me about that? No, no, I agree. And like, this is something like I always bring in. It's like, guys, this, this isn't in it. And it's like, it's like you have the word to eat in mm -hmm. like a, a phrase or a, a psalm or a parable or something. And they're like, it gets taken just wildly around context. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, this one, this one is, I like this one. So this is Proverbs 23, 20, 21. Be not among the wine bibbers. Yes. Um, <laughs> wine bibbers. Uh, be not among the wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, but the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Oh my gosh. So that ties directly into a later quote about Jesus being a glutton where, uh, and this is probably one of those places where the Bible was like written front to back. Mm-hmm. Matthew eleven eighteen through 19. It's talking about people making accusations about Jesus. It's kind of, you can't please everybody or anybody. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend <laughs> of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. Yeah, see, there is a, that's an interesting point, because so much of the Bible is, a cel- there are so many celebrations of God's work yeah. that involve food, and specifically the loaves and fishes. Yes. And I was just saying, like, there, there were there were so many loaves and fishes that they couldn't eat all the loaves and fishes, even though they tried like gluttons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think my, one of my favorite Bible quotes in this today, I see that it's probably related to gluttony. So Isaiah sixteen eleven, uh, wherefore my bowels shall sound like a harp for Moab and mine inward parts for Kirakesh. <laughs> I have some. I have some, I have, strangely enough, I have very little bowel related content, more cannibal related content. I was going to say, that sounds, that sounds like me at lunch today. Yeah. I don't know how many <laughs> Bible related quote, Bible quotes there are that relate directly to flatulence, but it's good to have a few. Yes. Oh, the weird fact that, or quote unquote, it's a rock fact, you know, thing from the Bible is also the criticism of Jesus because he and his disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. Like that was seen as an affront to Hebraic cleanliness. Yes. Yep. 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 So a lot of this, the, a lot of the gluttony stuff has to, well, a lot of it's anti-Semitic. A lot of it has to do with cleanliness. Hmm. A lot of it has to, it's anti-Roman as well. (laughs) So the seven deadly sins, I'd heard that these were kind of based on a sort of medieval fetish for like as above, so below. And they were kind of mirrored after the seven cardinal virtues. But I think that may not necessarily be the case, but maybe they kind of co-evolved together. There are these lists of virtues that go back to about the 350 or so. Temperance, justice, prudence, and fortitude. And they tacked on faith, hope, and charity as well to get the magic number seven. Seven's important. And like in folklore, they're often like facing off each other, the dwarves and the virtues. But... <laughs> They don't actually line up very well. It's just kind of the number seven and people make this association. But weren't there eight to begin there have, with? There have been eight. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. started as eight, didn't it? It did. Well, with, it, started um, as, it started as nine because uh-huh. there was like a three by three matrix of mm. physical, mental, and, and social. Um, uh, spiritual. No, social. Spiritual, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Social sins like, like looking at people in the elevator. Also, <laughs> wait, what's wrong with that? That was a Roman thing, I think, not the elevator, but the the three by three grid. Okay, I thought the seven deadly sins came first, and then we had the seven virtues to counteract them. That's what I had found too. Yeah. That the uh huh. You're saying the virtues came first? No, I'm saying they didn't. Oh, yeah. Like once you have the sins, then it's like, oh crap! What do we <laughs> tell people that they need to do instead of those? Things? Okay. Okay. So, yes, but also I think to your point about there being eight, that was John of Cassian 
who had the original eight that became the basis for Pope Gregory's seven. I think the number seven kind of evolved together. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the fourth century, we get a list from Evagrius Pontius, Ponticus, mm-hmm. a monk, uh, gluttony, fornication, prostitution, greed, sadness. That's kind of frustrating. Uh, wrath, ascetia, which we'll get back to in boasting. So that's seven, and then pride at the top. And mm-hmm. a lot of those got swapped out for e- more easily pronounceable sins. Right. We talked about ascetia before in the past. I think in the fifth circle? Uh, I don't think it had a circle. It's kind of predate circles and it became less popular, but that's, we're going to talk about it, but that's okay. sin, basically spiritual sloth. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Procrastination as, as deadly sin. Okay. Procrastination. I can, I can get behind. Yes. <laughs> I just want to say, Later. <laughs> yeah, it's on my list guys. It's on my list. Uh huh. Um, the Greek word for greed. Uh huh. Like I read it and I was like, Oh, it's philargyria. Oh, okay. okay. The love of silver. Okay. Okay. Cute. Wow. Words, man. Words. But there's also gala, right? Gluttony comes from gala, which is to swallow or yeah, like to... to shove it in there. Yeah. yeah. It's like to, to gulp. Uh-huh. Right, to go. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think one major evolution of seven deadly sin theory was uh, 1409-1560, where the sins become strongly associated with a set of very powerful demons. You get the Binsfeld hierarchy of demons from there, where Lucifer is pride at the top, and Belphegor at the bottom is... Wait, that's weird. Okay. Belphegor is sloth at the bottom, but I see that... In the 1409 Lantern of Light, where that was derived from, Belphegor is the god of gluttons, which is different. Anyway, neither here nor there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, commonly, Binsfeld says, and Binsfeld is the ones that, uh, I think, pop culture, Seven Deadly Sins is the Binsfeld list. He says that gluttony goes with Beelzebub. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I saw that as well. And right. I, I, yeah, I think we talked about that before, too, or maybe in one of the demon presentations or a Satan presentation. It's definitely come up once or twice. And I think I would like, why, why pick on Beelzebub for this? It's uh this is a time without a lot of like deep knowledge of Mesopotamia and Canaanite lore. So mm-hmm. he's a big fly. Sure. Gluttony. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, I mean, I, uh, the eating of, well, maybe we should, should we go to what defines gluttony? Sure. Cause that might help us understand why a fly is Why associated fly. with gluttony. Are we are we moving on from the seven and into gluttony? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, then let me say, I also, just because it was right there, greatly enjoyed the seven animal Patronuses. <gasps> yes! Right? Mm-hmm. Toad, snake, lion, snail, pig, goat, peacock. Mm-hmm. Snail is lust, peacock is pride. None of the rest makes sense, but I guess... They didn't know that many animals. A lion does represent one of the seven deadly sins generally. But I don't know which one. Did you say the snail is lust? No, 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 no. The snail is sloth. Okay. Okay. So wait a minute. So what were they? So pig is pig is gluttony. Okay, let's let's Peacock's it, pride. Expecto podcastium. <laughs> uh-huh. Toad is avarice. Okay. Doesn't make sense. Right, right, right. Snake is envy. Okay. Maybe because he's envious of everyone with legs. Could be. Uh huh. Lion is wrath. Yep. Not pride. 
Peacock is pride. Peacock Mm -hmm. is pride. Snail is sloth. Pig is gluttony. And goat is lust. That makes total sense. Because why not goat lust? Yeah. I mean, goats are. We have an entire episode on goat lust, didn't we? We have so many episodes on goat lust. Uh And this, you know, the goat internet is full of goat lust. Um, Well, so Wikipedia says the seven deadly sins are toad avarice, snake envy, lion wrath, et cetera, et cetera. So this is not just the seven Patronuses. It's also got some historical backing to it. Yeah, pop culture. Yeah. The colors. Oh, pop culture. Right, which is the um, precursor to new pop culture in so many ways. Um, But when pop culture becomes theology. (laughs) But also there's colors. And I only know, I only, I didn't bother to look up the other colors, but orange is associated with gluttony. What? Why? That I do not know, but supposedly there are also colors. Well, there's not that many colors. It's the only color named after a fruit. But, but so here's a quote. It probably wasn't, was it called an orange? Yes. <laughs> or was it called orange, that color? I don't, I don't know. I'm just speculating it was, because it I was called. To do. It's, it's um, the naranja. Oh, right. That's right. Spanish for orange. That's, then there's lots of, but there's lots of. We are rabbit trailing at this We're point. rabbit trailing. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay. okay. Give us the definition of gluttony, and then I'm going to throw some caveats at you. Please. How so many I've... different definitions of gluttony have we stumbled over in the past 48 hours? Oh my gosh. It keeps changing, too. I didn't know there were this many versions. Yeah. It changes a lot according to time and what the, um, specifically what the, dangers are of gluttony right well yeah we certainly live in a different gluttony oriented timetable now than we did 2000 years Mm -hmm. ago but i think we can all agree on the first it came with um pope gregory so he's kind of the guy even though there are precursors to him kind of the guy who's known for giving a label to the seven deadly sins right yeah definitely definitely that one um yeah but he's a big name in gluttony so Uh uh-huh he but, had five different types of gluttony. Wait, wait, yes. wait, wait. Sorry. Uh-huh. I was going to say, let's say the line overindulgence and overconsumption and then define it. Well, as a okay. sin, it would be overindulgence and overconsumption that separates right. you from God and strongly implies food, but people interpret it not to imply food necessarily because hmm. people broadly generalizing things is a fun thing to do. Because it could be alcohol. It could be any other physical pleasure. It like could Tums. be... Yes, <laughs> it could be even kind of performative spirituality at one point. That's really, that's spreading this butter very thin. It is, but there's other things. But um, also one of the dangers is that it's kind of a gateway sin to other sins. It is generally like the lowest of the sins, kind of tied with lust. Mm-hmm. It's the most easily accessible. Yeah, yeah, I think so. and And probably the one that most often gets glossed over as being harmless or redefined when it becomes convenient to redefine it. Like I was reading an article on gluttony, surprisingly, was uh, gluttony rise, fall and the resurgence of a capital sin by Gonzalez Cruci, who says that in France, they created the word gourmand 
yes to, like desensitize people to gluttony as a sin because they raised it to um a deep appreciation right and taking eating food to be a fine art Ooh, well um, they yes. to separate it's like to separate the gourmet from the gourmand right someone who eats very good food and someone who eats food very good yes yeah. Uh, what what Gonzalez Cruci says is by dint of flowery sentences, the French defanged the demonic sin. Uh, gourmandise used to be a synonym for gluttony, and now became our implicit resignation to the orders of the Almighty, who, having condemned us to eat in order to live, invites us by the appetite, sustains us by the flavor, and rewards us by the pleasure. Oh, okay. So, and then then other other thinkers start talking about how gluttony can be. Uh, overindulgence in the pleasure, overindulgence in even overindulgence and underindulgence, in fact. But the indulgent the indulgence as separates us from God is is I think kind of the crux of things. And this is really awkward because like like lust and gluttony are both kind of sins of pleasure and pleasures are a gift from God. Yes. And they become theologically tied. Uh, yes. I have some uh, quotes. Uh, so, well, maybe not theologically tied, but tied together. Um, Jacob, which list of five uh, sub-gluttonies do you have? I liked the Daughters of Gluttony the most. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, unseemly Joy. <laughs> foolish Talking. Mm-hmm. Uncleanliness. Loquaciousness. And Dullness of Mind. And that's oh. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas on the Daughters of Gluttony. I'm probably going to date the last one. Um, that's fair. I like that loquaciousness, which is talking too much, is not on the same line as foolish talking. Which is also right, 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 scurrility. Right. But who? Scurrility. Yeah, that was the word. Scul- sc- scurrility? Scurrility. Mm-hmm. Um, have, we, have we talked about the five ways to commit gluttony? No, I think that's let's, what let's hear your talks. list. Let's, let's do that. Okay. So, and this again, Pope Gregory was the first one to kind of throw this out there. We've got Lauta, eating food that is too luxurious, exotic, or costly, milkshake. Studios, eating food that is excessive in quality, too, and also if it's too daintily or elaborately prepared. Nimus, eating food that is excessive in quantity, prepared, uh, Pre- nope, nope, nope. Try pre- again. Pre- <laughs> so can you say it? P R A E P R O P E R E. Pre prepare. Okay, thank you. Eating hastily, and then arden- ardentaire, eating greedily. Yeah, hmm. eating hastily or, or even too soon. We have to right, like have if to clarify not a on that one. Meal time because when they start quoting the Bible, did you say um, Gregory or Aquinas? So first, Gregory had a similar list. So you can succumb to the sin of gluttony by time when you eat. Um, two, quality. Three, stimulants. Oh, snack, snacking is a deadly sin. Right. Yeah. Quantity right. and eagerness. Yeah. Quantity and mm-hmm. eagerness. The eagerness one, like they all kind of irritate me, but the eagerness one, it's even if y- your portion control is fine, and even if it's just regular food, not expensive food, but if you're too excited about your food, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. Which means the dogs sin every day. The dogs, they make a list of sins every day. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy food. It could be uh, somebody was chastised for 
being too eager to eat porridge. Right. So any food, if you're too eager to eat it. They get you coming and going. They do. Uh, oh. What was his name? Um, Esau. Oh, Esau. Yes. Mm-hmm. When oh, he yeah, sold yeah. his birthright. Yeah. It's just like, but he was God. working in the field all day. I think that he didn't really know nor care what he was selling at that point. And he was kind of a big dumb guy anyway. Oh, uh, so the dumb are immune to sin? No, no. But wait, the story was wait. not necessary. <laughs> the story was not necessarily about gluttony until Aquinas said it was. That's oh, exactly my point. Oh, but also talking about the the Aquinas also talks about how um, gluttony can become very serious and why it is dangerous. So we've got we've got these five different kinds of gluttony: the big gluttony, the small gluttony, the fancy gluttony. But it and there's some examples, some very brief examples. But it's like we went back and we applied pre-existing Bible verses to this new sin that we found, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, by the way, here's this, and here's my point, and here's where the Bible says I was right, right? It's very much the kind of research where it's like, I think this is what's going to happen. Let's go do as much research as we can to prove myself right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Esau earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have the, the the Bible. They have the Torah, which was written a long time ago. We have the four hundred Saint Gregory. One was Aquinas. He was three hundred. Was he? Yeah. Let's I think see. The Patrician period. Thirteenth century Thomas Aquinas. Oh heck, thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousand years. <laughs> Okay, so um, eating early, for example, when Jonathan ate a little bit of honey, when his father Saul said no food before that evening, that was a sin, mm-hmm. right? Aside, it wasn't about honoring your father and mother, but let's right? make it about the stomach. Jonathan didn't know um, the the better quality of food, the the delicacy, right? When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, they were freed as slaves. Moses took them away, and they said, but wait, what about all the good food the Egyptians gave us? They only made us make brick without straw, right? And so they complained. Eli and the high priest did the sacrificial meat different, and they seasoned it wrong, and they were met with death. Obviously, this is gluttony. And then, of course, we talked about like Esau. He was like, he was so eager. He was so excited. He was so ready for lunch that he sinned and sold his birthright, and that's why... We have the kingdom of Israel, not the kingdom of Esau. Like, bro, those yeah. beans, those beans. So cherry picking like that. Just take everything and shove it into a gluttony shaped shoebox. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like, I have this, I have this thing I want to tell you. I'm going to find the verses which fit. Right. And if that's different from other Christian, <laughs> Christian moments, how? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, Uh-oh. but no, you're totally right. You're totally right. You're 100% right. Because this is such a contradictory situation. Think, like, and even just around. like the daintiness. So far as the gluttony of daintiness go, did we touch on that one? We talked about food prepared daintily. Prepared daintily. A line from uh, Screwtape's letters from C.S. Lewis that kind of stuck with me a long time. This is not a line. This is several paragraphs, actually. Screwtape is talking about how people don't really see the sin of gluttony anymore. And he talks about his patient, someone he's working with, Screwtape being an archdemon. His patient's mother terrorizes hostesses, servants, and waiters with her demands. 
In a crowded restaurant, she gives a little scream at the plate, which is some overworked waitress has set before her and says, oh, that's far, far too much. Take it away and bring me about a quarter of it. If challenged, she would say she was doing this to avoid waste. In reality, she does so because the particular shade of delicacy to which we have enslaved her is offended by the sight of more food than she happens to want. And her belly still dominates her whole life, but she doesn't mm. know it. She's, mm. happy. She's quite happy with herself because what she wants is smaller and less costly than what has been set before her. She never recognizes gluttony, her determination to get what she wants, however troublesome it is to others. So this brings up an interesting point about fasting, because it too can become borderline sin when yes. it's taken to an extreme. If your fastness irritates someone in your life, it is a sin. <laughs> but it's also kind of one of the things that I had a question like, okay, so gluttony tends to be kind of a male sin, but women tend to be on the opposite it just you're saying like the sort of daintiness like this obsession with you're still obsessed with your your stomach or your you know your body becomes an idol even when you're just you know abstaining from food and so there's a lot of criticisms of nuns and you know sort of going to these fasting states where they pass out and things like that so fascinating yeah, there's a lot of a lot of like complex double and triple standards in the land of gluttony because I mean because again you're playing this game of God gave us berries and manna and they both taste delicious so we should enjoy them but if we enjoy anything then we're basically causing ourselves problems long term it's just it's 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 a bunch of like little loops and circles yeah and I think that's where you start to get into the loopholes of like it's all about intent and control like whether or not you have control over it. And that's where the Catholic church starts to recognize like, oh, obesity really has nothing to do with overeating. And so like, there's a gazillion reasons why somebody might have, you know, struggle with their weight or, you know, that there's, it's not, uh, there, there are points at which it doesn't become gluttony because the person can't control it. They have no will over it you know, over what's happening with their body because it's medical. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that the, that the gluttony had replaced the will, but yeah. you're talking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, so it becomes about intent and whether or not you can control it. Or both weight shaming and mental health shaming in one go. Right. And so there's a, you know, a stuff that I read more recently is trying to move away from that because there is the obesity stigma that you could trace directly to, this because we think, oh, people who ha have issues with their weight, they're just overeating, they're lazy, they're this, the but no, 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 no. There's a gazillion biological reasons, neurological reasons, emotional reasons why people, you know, have weight issues. So, and it, and also like the definition of a weight issue has changed. You know, what we call weight issues not are not necessarily that. So, mm. but the Catholic Church has been trying to kind of keep up with that <laughs> and sort of be like, no, 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 no. There are people, you know, like this doesn't. This, this sin, calling gluttony a sin, does not apply to these categories, which is fairly progressive. But we still, as a culture, think of that. Like, we still think that it's tied to just overindulgence, laziness, being, you know, too hedonistic. Being overly dainty. Overly dainty. Dainty preparation of your foods. So does that mean foams. every time I had British high tea, with like the towered stack of scones and pedophores and crumpets and like little date and like, like silver plated tongs to touch mm -hmm. the, oh my God. Do you well, know I how expensive that was? And do you know how hungry I was afterwards? Cause I didn't eat enough. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the daintiness rule is there 
just to make sure that they catch you one way if you go the other way. Those sinners. Like you, cannot, you cannot escape ah, from gluttony. Those sinners. You cannot like escape from guards. gluttony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and is it time to talk about why it's a danger according to Aquinas? Sure. So this is where we get into the slippery slope business. Uh, so drunkenness, of course, dangerous. Um Gluttony is an addiction, and addictions are a serious problem. And this has an asterisk, asterisk by it because, of course, as we have more knowledge about, you know, mental health, physical health, biology, neurology, chemist, chemical, you know, people, body chemistry, we realize that this may there are addictions, there are food addictions that are not a sin, of course, but also it's not necessarily. Addiction, blah. So, um, but then uh, there can be folly involved with gluttony. Going folly? back to folly. Okay. Going back to the loquaciousness and scurrility. Right. But also thinking about the fact or believing that your emptiness can be filled with things of this world rather it than. Can. It can. It totally can. Yeah, I mean, that's why <laughs> I, I have a credit card. Exactly. And then also it can lead to, it's connected closely to avarice and lust. Avarice. Okay. But also, can I tell you a cautionary tale? Yes. Okay. So there is a medieval legend. Okay. About that feeds directly into this. This is a story about the hermit, John of Beverly. So he was tested by God. So this is a very Job ish story so he was tested by god god sent an angel to force john to choose among three sins so he could choose between drunkenness rape or murder so if you had to choose amongst those three which one would you pick well okay so murder asking what i would pick or what <laughs> i think the medievals would pick oh that's an excellent viewpoint rape and murder are both things that happen to your body and therefore you can write them off entirely okay so gluttony has to be the worst of them. And I'm guessing that Beverly of John said, gluttony is probably not that bad. And then the angel said, oh, no, you fool. You should have just raped and killed someone instead. Mm. Because now you're condemning your soul to a bottomless pit. You are. Your words are you use the right words. Was it the funny voice? Was the funny voice wrong? You can't no, see me bobbling my head. It's true. But so since like, as one might, he thought gluttony is the least of these. So he chose gluttony or, but I mean, sorry, drunkenness, which is a form of gluttony. Yeah. Um, but then <laughs> in his drunkenness, he oh, raped gosh. and murdered his own sister. Oh, so again, like he, I mean, he was forced to choose any one of those he chose. And he chose all three. So because I, like yeah, he was kind of screwed. Um, he would have saved more money if he chosen murder first, right? Like because right, like maybe you were given a justifiable reason for murder. So I guess well, the the value of life in the Middle Ages was a lot less. Yeah, you know, we the, the justification <laughs> is probably that all sins will lead you downward to a horrible place. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's no such thing as a you know um, a light a sin light. Right. Well, there are there are mortal sins and venial sins, which we'll probably touch That's on true. that when we discuss sins. Yep. Okay. But there's the very big list of mortal sins and a very small list of venial ones. So I think that probably underlines what you just said. Yes. 
Well, I want to tell the funny lightweight story about the gluttonous nun. Please do. Uh, yeah. When was the last time we talked about talking lettuce? Um, Lunch. <laughs> oh, no, that was my bowels. Sorry, my bad. I feel lettuce. like it's, it's always a, a subtext to any of our conversations. <laughs> um, so Gregory the Great tells us the story of a nun who ate lettuce from a monastery garden, but she forgot to make the sign of the cross over it. So I guess that's eating too soon if you're kind of classifying this as a gluttonous oh. sin. Or just eating it all because she's a nun and they have to have perfect waistlines. Uh, so as a result, she was possessed by a devil and Ooh. fell to the ground writhing in agony. And the abbot was called to pray for her, pray over her. And as soon as the holy man appeared, the devil sitting on the nun's tongue started to complain, what did I do? What did I do? I was sitting on the lettuce and she ate me. <laughs> Um, and the abbot commanded her to leave the woman, which she immediately did. And she was, and uh, the demon never touched her again. Um, so there's, there's levels here. Um, the nun was just too careless and lazy to make the sign of the cross, which would banish the demon immediately. Right. And the demon was like, kind of, oh, whatever. I'm just there and not really like engaged in the sin. So the nun kind of like brought this on herself because the devil was just hanging around. He's just chilling on lettuce. Like salad dressing. This is why you pray over your food. And also why you rinse your lettuce. <laughs> also as good. Uh-huh. Rinse yeah. in the sign of the cross. Get rid of those little the the little lettuce demons. Yeah, tiny lettuce demons. I know that was a thing. I bet they're cute and green. Oh. I will but say like their, okay. their pitchfork is just a fork fork. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jolly green giant and sprout. And oh, this yeah. little buddy's name Sprout, his little, I don't know, is it his son? The little dude? Sprout? Um, this is pool boy. <laughs> it's like the, a Batman Robin situation. Don't don't talk about Sprout. <laughs> boy. Um, I have to say, I'm sorry, Jamin, but I'm going to bring this up. It's another fish, a nightmare fish thing. But I think we've talked about the, the parasite that pretends to be a fish's tongue. No! <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I think we've talked about that, right? Yes. Okay, then I won't go into details about it. But yes, it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a demon, tongue demon. Yeah, the fish didn't pray over the sea lettuce. Probably not. <laughs> that's right. It's oh, it, it wasn't. That's not a cruel, cruel sifting fish. It's a fish eating fish. Anywho. <laughs> this has been nightmare corner so i have a question maybe this is just because these are my two favorite sins why are lust and gluttony different sins i mean they're both like too much sins of the flesh right this might be simple gluttony is actionable lust is not you I... can lust after your neighbor's wife and never do a thing I find lust to be highly actionable. Right. It can be actionable, but you can lust after your neighbor's wife, the exact example, and not do a thing. It's hard to glutton to not participate in gluttony. Right. Like it's a very physical act. And kind Whereas of gluttony like, is like, I'm going to eat the food. I'm eating the food. I have eaten the food. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Google this, though. I need to Google why lust is different because I bet there's an article on it, like a long-winded Catholic sermon. Lust versus gluttony. And I, my argument, very ill thought out, but uh, is that lust is 
Okay, so we t- we we are troubled by these because they are both necessary for life. So you need one to create more people, and you need the other to keep those people alive. And、mm. in many ways, lust seems to be the lesser sin because it is a it is a drive that is necessary to continue society. But gluttony again comes down to. Eating food as medicine, like I think it was Saint Augustine, said that that food should just be considered medicine. So you consume things to eat, and you're constantly having to fight against, you know, going beyond that. To you know, are you eating food for the pleasure, or are you just eating to keep yourself alive? Lust, you have to have lust to procreate. Essentially, well, you may not have to, but it is that drive that helps、mm. people procreate. So you have that. Like lust is an impetus, and that is ne- a necessary impetus. Whereas gluttony, an appetite is not right. And so that was that's that exactly kind of ties into this、um, summation, where it's the lust is the thirst and the desire, and the gluttony is the satiation. Right.、Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a want for, and then you have my want has been fulfilled. I have been sated. I have、mm-hmm. eaten. Right. Yeah. Because again, a desire, a de- yeah, blah blah blah, a desire can go unfulfilled,、mm-hmm. but you still have that desire. Whereas, a appetite can be sated to excess.、Mm-hmm. Right. And it really, it's it's flip sides of a coin, but it's which direction you're hitting it from. Yeah,、mm-hmm. Glut- gluttony, greed, and lust—they're all kind of like wanty and envy as well. I guess that's on the list. All kind of sins of want and desire, and I don't know. They're, they're lust and greed are kind of filed under sins of the body, which are very low ranking sins because、mm-hmm. I think they're basically just over over indulging in things that are are kind of necessary. I don't know. Lust has such a strong history of Christian prejudice against it as as a thing. Right. Yeah. It's 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 generally a choice. Like you cannot help but food. Mm. You definitely、right. can help, but lust, and I think that one of the major problems in the early church was they stopped breeding for a while, and like the saints had to kind of say, "Oh, it's okay in marriage,、um, don't worry about it." But well,、uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I and their long... puritanical sex that died out because of that too. <laughs> right, right, right. Which you know, that's that's probably fine. <laughs> some people decide. Some describe gluttony as the mother of lust, while others describe lust as the forerunner of gluttony. I, I I think I've heard like an argument about like is the fall of man based on lust or gluttony? Well,、know. here's the thing: you can also feel like oftentimes you use gluttony to avoid lust. Like, right, okay, so、right. this is the safer outlet for these feet, you know, for this drive potentially. This the, the bluebell ice cream sin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is the blue milkshake, the hundred dollar milkshake sin. So it's really like an introvert, an introvert、mm-hmm. extrovert thing. Like this is the sin that you engage in if you don't want to go clubbing that night, right? But、uh-huh. my milkshake does bring all the boys to the yard. See, yeah, uh huh. So that's true. That's true. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> Everybody stands around awkwardly, kind of not ma- making eye contact. Well,、yeah. if someone wants to mow the lawn, <laughs> oh hey, that's something.、Um, my, milkshake, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, but guys, be careful—we have dogs. <laughs> 
please don't ring the doorbell. <laughs> just just let yourself in. The door's open. Um, I was going to make some point about, well, I guess maybe drunkenness also fits in here somewhere because, okay, so here's a question. And this is kind of a dumb question. So is there a slippery slope from lust to, say, murder, like wrath, you know? Yeah. But there is from drunkenness. Drunkenness specifically, as we have seen, can lead to murder and rape. Mm -hmm. I think gluttony generally leads to falling asleep on the couch. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's the idea that, you know, once one drive is filled, then someone moves on to the other drive. I've heard that before in like comedy bits and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. It Well, if you don't get what you want, you get angry at the person who has what you want. Right. So that's envy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, and this, this is, well, that's the envy. That's the lot, the, the lust. It's like, mm-hmm. oh man, she's so pretty, but she's dating someone else. I'll just kill him or her or both of them. It's Shakespeare. That's the entirety of Shakespeare. Dan Savage's annual like Valentine's day message to everyone is to have sex before eating. Sensible. Yeah. Because like big Valentine's day dinner, then, then, then you just kind of, than YouTube. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's a very wise man sometimes. He actually has a book. He has a, a book where he goes and explores every the deadly sin. What? Oh, we need yeah, to read that. One. Yeah, it's it's fun. He like goes to Vegas for greed and uh yeah. Why didn't we, oh shoot. Should have read that should have read it the chapter on gluttony. Well, when we do our uh episodes of Infinite Return, we can come back to that. But yeah, maybe yeah. we should we should read that book. Yeah. What's it called? It's, we've got we've got six movie. more episodes. Dan Savage is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. One second. I used to read his column in the Village Voice all the time. Fun story. Yes. I've had so many friends that just quoted Dan Savage regularly. Mm-hmm. I feel like I agree with everything he's ever said, but I just I've never listened to him. I was just like I'll like I'll queue up an episode and like two minutes later I'll be like, oh, candy. And I'll just he seems like a very smart guy. I like what he says. I agree with him. I just can't listen. He evolves a lot over time. Like his older stuff is a little more edged sometimes. Mm. I think Mm -hmm. he he started as kind of like sharp edged gay relationship advice person. Mm. And is now kind of like the like gay advice columnist to the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, I, I like him. Um, Skipping Towards Gamora is the book. Oh, (laughs) okay. Oh my gosh. Don't make me laugh. That's great. That is a great. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna write I'm gonna write that down because I'll never listen to this podcast. I'm kidding. So there are a few writings that kind of push the limits of or <laughs> are really really trying to connect lust and gluttony in very awkward ways. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I have a couple. Um, do you want to hear some some explanations for why lust and yeah, I'm still unclear tied. on the concept. I find them so closely related. I thought I explained it to you twice. Was you I did, not good did. enough? But you know how much time you know you spend a lot of time making these meals to lure someone in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, let's just agree there's a Venn diagram, right? There's, there is. Yeah, there totally. Is. That that's that's a great answer. Is there's a Venn diagram? Mm-hmm. Oh, and also uh, just a, a side note: Saint Augustine also equates uh, gluttony with cowardice. What? Yes. Uh-huh. N- no. 
<laughs> have you seen some of the things I've eaten? You have to be brave to eat them. <laughs> well, he uses the same analogy to describe both. Um, but okay, what's the what's the analogy? Okay, so I will read to you from Saint Augustine. I know this may be a little bit of a okay. Um, so Saint Augustine, or it's no, no, yes, is it? <gasps> no, I was wrong. Sorry, it's Aristotle. Very different person. Who I also don't agree with on a lot of things. Okay. Well, he, he pushes for moderation, which I think we can maybe. What does cowardice about. have to do with moderation? So here we go. Okay. So Aristotle, this is in the um, Nicomachean. Is that how, am I saying it right? Nicomachean ethics? Knickerbockers. <laughs> Knickerbocker ethics. Um, drink or food that is above or below a certain amount destroys the health while that which is proportionate both produces and increases the, and preserves it. So too it is, then, the case for temperance and courage and the other virtues. For the man who flies from and fears everything and does not stand his ground against anything becomes a coward, and the, mad who, the man who fears nothing at all but goes to meet every danger becomes rash, and similarly the man who indulges in every pleasure and abstains from none becomes self-indulgent, while the man who shuns every pleasure as boars do becomes in a way insensible, no. temperance and courage then are destroyed by excess and defect and preserved by the mean. This is a classicist writer, not Christian. That's, that's Aristotle. very Aristotle. And it's like, let's pick the middle ground. Let's pick moderation. Mm -hmm. And I'll give him the analogy of too much and too little. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think what you're not saying is Aristotle equates cowardice to Dude. blind, please. Yeah, to, the, Aristotle does not equate cowardice to gluttony or brashness to gluttony and cowardice to uh, fastidiousness, right? Right. It's more like, okay, either abstaining too much is is bad for both right. of them. Okay. And then I... being too rat or go running headlong into, into both is bad. I guess... Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're right. It's Aristotle. It's Aristotle. But um, thinking about lust. So Tertullian, um, he essentially blames transgressions on Old Testament, um, especially. So all of this, a lot of, a lot of these folks blame Adam for gluttony in the world. Adam and Eve. I mean, they surely all of the sins are Mm -hmm. on their doorstep if they had one yes so he tries to explicate a um anatomical relationship between gluttony and lust okay you want to you want to hear more about that is this science well you tell me i bet it's science <laughs> so lust without veracity would certainly be considered a monstrous phenomenon since these two are so united and concrete that had there been any possibility of disjoining them the pudenda would not have been affixed to the belly itself rather than elsewhere look the at what? the body the pudenda uh-huh oh hmm Dude. okay I, I need to rewind on that okay. if they had not been more connected than it's convenient that the genitals are at the same height. It's it's convenient that the genitals are so close to your elementary canal, your oh. digestive system. Okay, okay. So because they share geographic real estate, then they must be connected. Because why, I mean, we, we're, your genitals, like, where else would they be, right? They need to be connected to the other 
Okay. That there's closely connected sin. Yeah. I learned what a pedenda was. Mm-hmm. I was today years old when I found out. <laughs> okay. Look at the body. The region of these members is one and the same. In short, the order of the vices is proportionate to the order of the members. First the belly, and then immediately the species of all other species of lasciviousness are laid subordinately to daintiness through love of eating, love of impurity finds passage. That's not where the cupcake goes. <laughs> so bas- basically, <laughs> did you argued- ever take sex ed? <laughs> Texas sex ed is different than. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say American Pie. Let's not quote that. But there's gluttony and lust. That's that's all in one scene right there. Like, and also, Jamin, you've seen that movie, and you've never seen a Terry. I have never seen. I have never seen that movie. You have not. Oh my god! I've never seen any of the movies, but I do live in a world with high schoolers. If (laughs) and they talk. If our podcast was an episode of Taskmaster, the episode would be that's not where the cupcake goes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we can we tweet that just out of context right now? For the, <laughs> of course, also he blames uh there are a lot of these guys who blame um gluttony on the Jews too. So um Evagrius did we decide his name was Evagrius of Pontus? We talked about him a second oh, ago. Oh uh, Pont- Ponticus. Um yeah, I couldn't say that word. Ponticus, Evag- Evagrius right. of Pontus. Had, Where was yeah. he? Hang on. He's the fourth century desert father. Um, Evagrius Ponticus. Okay, Evagrius Ponticus. Yeah, because okay. it starts with an E. Evagrius. Yes. Uh huh. So, so Evagrius of Pontus or Evagrius Ponti- Ponticus. Ponticus. He also connects gluttony with lust. Okay. Um, saying gluttony is the mother of lust. Uh, the nourishment of evil thoughts, laziness and fasting, obstacles to asceticism, terror to moral purpose, the imagining of food, sketcher of seasonings, unrestrained cult, unbridled frenzy, receptacle of disease, envy of health, obstruction of the bodily passages, groaning of the bowels, the extreme of outrages, confederate of lust, pollution of the intellect, weakness of the body, difficult sleep, gloomy death. Gloomy death. Gloomy death. That is no, no. Gluttony does not get gloomy death as the final keystone. Put a pin in it. No, no. It does get. I mean, there's some I'm also. Not, uh, yeah. I'm not arguing <laughs> the other ones. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. But yeah, hmm. I mean, there's the whole sense of disease also that goes with gluttony. That is the heart. It it uh brings about disease. Mm-hmm. So everything brings about disease. It's very though, kind of much. humor's sort of idea. I feel. Oh, definitely, because John John Chrysostom uh, rather graphically identified the symptoms and signs of gluttony. And this, this, uh, this, (laughs) I know, I I, I will say, (laughs) I will say some worse things here in this podcast. But uh, discharge phlegm, mucus running from the nose, hiccups, vomiting, and violent belching. The increase in luxury is nothing but the increase in excrement. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a scientific fact. The more you eat, the more you poop. Unless you don't have a healthy digestive system. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a garbage in, garbage out situation to use computer terms. Mm-hmm. You can't poop more unless you also eat more. I'm I'm thinking about like violent belching just as a as a as a as a, a thought meme sort of thing. Because we were talking about like how gluttony leads to murder and like I just don't know if these are connected ideas or not. The word violent is oh. really hanging in my in my oh. head. I'm gonna let go of it now. But I think this brings up another reason why gluttony is dangerous, specifically thinking about the inferno, because if you're violence to the self. Yeah. Is a sin. Yeah. But that's another circle entirely. True. Yeah. Because that's where murder is. Yeah. And the gays. Murder and the gays. Murder and the gays. Um, but yeah, gluttony is its own thing. I, I kind of thought the, the the torment for gluttony in in um, the Inferno was uh, simple, maybe. But like it's 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 basically like face down, garbage and muck, rain continually down on you. So it kind of got this like waste thing happening in in like the landscape itself. And then you can't eat anything with your face down in like ice and muck forever. And then Cerberus jumps up and down on you. Right. wake up mm-hmm. wake up guys time for breakfast hey. bark 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 dude i can't do three barks at once yes i can i have the editor i need everybody to bark at once like go bark 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 on one two three one okay. two three bark 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 okay thank you talking about daintiness and um precise fussiness as a form of gluttony mm-hmm. we get this um gonzalez chrissy i mentioned earlier mentions saint romuald R-O-M-U-A-L-D, who went beyond fasting into, I think, through gluttony and out the other side of gluttony. Well, through fasting and into gluttony again, um, he had dishes prepared for him, very nice dishes, to bring them to his nostrils and would not take in anything but the smell, saying, oh, my throat, how great delight it would be for you to swallow these delicacies, but you should have none, and then ask the dishes to be taken back to the kitchen. Oh. So waste is also. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This is like every form of gluttony except the eating all at once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet the Possibly. kitchen staff ate well. You know, that's true, actually. Take it back uh-huh. to the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> if you're sure. But it's true. Yeah. It's, yeah, because like we were saying, like absten- extreme abstinence is just as bad as extreme uh, intake. It's more tedious for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, it's more of a like virtue signaling kind of thing, <laughs> which is just annoying. Look how virtuous I am. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about gluttony in kind of a negative way. Is there anything that we can say about gluttony that is positive? I did want to bring up the, the magical end of cocaine because okay. it's, it's kind of parallel. It's, basically a heaven on earth sort of thing and this was really huge in i think the middle ages where the idea of uh i think someone someone wrote some manuscript where they mentioned this place and there was pastor goliards the goliards who are the The goliards the goliards were the young clergy who were young and disillusioned and they were in it to pay the bills, not to be holy. 
Oh, okay. You get that a lot. They were very much when they wrote and they were, so they were educated. They were financially stable because they were clergy and they were allowed to be satirical. Okay. Neat. And so they set the world for this. They were like, Hey, what if I wrote a cheeky poem about heaven on earth? Mm. For example, cocaine. Yeah. Uh, apparently cocaine is based on like a little, a little like sweet treat cake is where the word comes from. And it kind of got expanded out in the 1300s ish to be like this land of plenty. And like in this, in the big rock candy mountain, all the hard boiled eggs, that sort of thing, where there's food everywhere, just, and there's hams growing on the trees and things like that. And it was all kind of lorded over by this benevolent guy named Prester John. And I think a lot of exploration happened kind of like with the idea of finding this land as a, um, maybe just part of the story of that particular travel, that particular journey. Um, but, um, in the background sort of thing. Cause life is hard. There was never enough food on the table. Everyone was hungry. There was only a little bit of famine and black death. Yeah. Right. Uh, roasted pigs wandered about with knives in their backs to make the carving easy. Grilled <laughs> geese fly directly into one's mouth. Cooked fish jump out of the water and the weather's mild. The wine is flowing freely. There's always sex and everybody enjoys eternal youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can slap the nun's bottom. It's allowed. It's a physical form of paradise that um, invites a lot of things that might be considered sin. So it's probably not a very clergy oriented paradise. And I feel like there was a time where this vision of um, the happy land was kind of vying with the Christian heaven, which presumably you cannot slap people's bottoms in. I just feel like that's not. What? I do not believe that in the Christian heaven you can slap people's bottoms. I, but I, oh, I'm not sorry. going there anyway. So because <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Uh, what time period was this again? Uh, 1350s ish. And it kind okay. of flows into ideas like the the Big Rock Candy Mountain and um, El Dorado and like the 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 Donkey Land in Pinocchio, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I had a note about just, how, you know, we also have these stories of things like that, specifically like, say, Grimm's fairy tales and things like that, where you know, the, um, the happy ending, happy ending is just being able to eat because famine, you know? And so it's sort of like, okay, you can't really have gluttony in a time of famine, really, unless you're talking about overusing resources. But, you know, I feel like this is one of those things like, okay, Big Rock Candy Mountain was a depression era song. And so there's these times of dearth where this is kind of the happy ending or the ideal or the fantasy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the other world is the underworld is the mm-hmm. is the faraway fairyland. Yeah, uh, I think that Prester John, the the legendary priest who apparently was like tied to the three wise men somewhere, he had a kingdom of riches and wonders and strange things, kind of like this foreign land of foreign things, with lots of plenty. And I think kind mm-hmm. of got fused with the with uh, cocaine down the road i'm getting my medievals a little bit conflated in my head though so can i tell you about a very similar land sure san San francisco (laughs) well actually it's a a land called bengodi which um 
Boccaccio, I think that's how you say it, refers to uh, in one of the tales of the Decameron. And so in in this magical, magical land, the vines are tied with sausages. Oh. Um, yeah, but you, you can can't buy... eat the vines. <laughs> no, but that's right. Isn't that kind of a... You eat around the vine. That's okay, right. Okay. Um, you can even eat the... What's this Willy Wonka song? You or can you even can eat even... the dishes? Yeah, so I was about to say you can even eat the stitches. Ditches. No, ditches. <laughs> now I've gone on. It's uh, <laughs> thinking of Dracula at this point. You, you Burn through the right. witches. Through <laughs> <laughs> the ditch. Dracula. Like the, the, the goth live, laugh, love. Um, <laughs> so you could buy a goose and a gosling for a farthing. A river of white wine flows beside a mountain of Parmesan cheese, and it's inhabited by people who do nothing all day but make macaroni and ravioli and live according to the guiding principle of the faster you eat, the more you get. This is true. So that is that is quite gluttony. This and is it's true. all pasta based. Okay. And, so it's it's American Italian interpretation. Right. But the thing is, like, I don't like white wine. It gives me a what? headache. See, I was going to say, it's like people that do nothing all day but make macaroni and ravioli. If I were there, I would do nothing all day but stick my head in the river and breathe. Nom, <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Snorting white wine? I'm confused. Yes. If it were, yes. Like, if it were red wine, I'd be totally down. Or actually... What would I want the river to be? Prosecco. No, that gives me a headache too. I mean, unless it's like really, really good. Um, I think you're what? fussing over the infinite wine. Then you're kind of really in the like gluttony of delicacy at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Because oh, I mean, I should be happy with cheese, right? How dainty totally are you? Cheese. Take your snorkel and get in the river. <laughs> Just okay. jump on in the wine river. Briefly okay. imagining the smell of world of Parmesan. See, of, Parmesan is funky. Yeah, yeah it it's a little too funky. You get used to it. You get used to it. Okay. I'd, for... I'd rather that be mozzarella, like, you know, good, like buffalo mozzarella. Yeah, something kind of a little more neutral. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Marscapone. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> um, River of slow moving marscapone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. See, it's like the molasses, the, mola yeah. the molasses yeah, tragedy. Yeah, like, how dangerous. Uh -huh, you get caught up. You get caught up in mascarpone, and you're just like, "Wee!" Or rather, <laughs> "Wee!" So we're, we're going very far afield in the world of fantasy. Can we ground this in sort of the reality? Oh, do you want me to just? <laughs> I, Shall we talk I about, some about some real life gluttons? Oh no! Let's and... let's have your your top X of those. Okay, so I I'm I'm going to I'm going to start us. kind of in the lighthearted vein, and we're going to go kind of dark so okay i apologize we're ready. We're ready. but this this shows kind of the slippery slope into various sins i know sorry jamin um stuff stuff mops in them so <laughs> thinking about you know light like in defense of gluttony sometimes people who are gluttons can be legendary and positive okay. legends such as diamond jim brady yes so what do you know about diamond jim brady jamin diamond jim brady mm-hmm <laughs> for some reason was very rich oil locomotives actual diamonds i don't know but he was a he was a tycoon he mm -hmm. was an actual legitimate american tycoon and yes. he would sit down at the table he would pull his chair back until his belly was six inches from the table and then he would eat until his belly touched the table yeah yep yep 
And six inches. Six inches. And now, two, oh, to bring science into this, mm-hmm. I can tell you scientifically that Diamond Jim Brady pooped as much as he ate. That There's is science. no record of that. Um, you, you can't deny it. Well, I don't know. I think you're, well, everybody's different. Everybody has different poop <laughs> ratios. Poopulosity. Pupulosity depends on a lot of factors, so we can't really make assumptions about his output, I suppose. Mm, um, mm. But uh, so uh, in her alphabet for gourmets, um, MFK Fisher, who's a food writer, she holds Brady up as an exemplar in defense of gluttony as a man who had a gift as rare and preternatural as an Olympic athlete and is eating. And, is, and she says, I might <laughs> amazing magic. I, and she says, I myself would like to be able to eat that much of something I really delight in and can recognize overtones of envy in the way lesser mortals so easily damned Brady as a glutton. Mm-hmm. So here's mm-hmm. a man who really enjoyed himself. Yeah. Like two bowls in I'm done. And another figure that kind of became shorthand of Kind of gluttony, but also kind of a folk hero is Edward Dando. And so uh, he's in the yes. 19th century. Do you know Edward Dando? I know Edward Dando. Tell I actually knew Edward Dando, Edward Dando a, a long time ago. Okay. So Edward Dando was a uh, British criminal. And his crime was he would go into a restaurant and he would eat. And he would just keep ordering. He would keep eating. And then when he was full, he would tell the shop owner, I have no money. I'm sorry. And of course, they'd get upset. They'd call the police. The police would be like, well, we're going to take you to jail for the night. And they'd take him to jail for the night. And they'd let him out the next morning. Mm-hmm. And because, where would he go? Yeah, to, to breakfast, to obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, I kind of want to do this. Imagine just being like, yeah, I'll have an oyster dinner. Um, I'll have the platter for nine. Right? Mm-hmm. And then that's what he would do. Yes. Dry bed may not be comfortable, but it's dry and it's warm. Yeah. Oh, like I, life, life goals. I know. Life goals. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that I saw about oysters as this really interesting, because, you know, we sort of see oysters as like, oh, you know, that's kind of a little bit of a splurge, but that was poor. Like that, like they were super cheap. So that was kind of affordable food for a lot of people, but there mm. would be kind of, you know, street, uh, <laughs> sounds to, street oysters, for lack of a better word. So carts that were more geared towards people like Edward Dando, and then there'd be kind of more high class oyster carts, but he would go. And at one point he ate 25 dozen oysters with a loaf and a half of bread with butter. Whoa. Okay. I, mean, well, I love oysters, but I like oysters. Twenty-five like, that's dozen. A lot of oysters, unless they're the tiny little guys. But still, that's way too much. Um, so of course, and then we have Henry the Eighth and Elvis. Um, we don't need to talk Elvis. Too much about Elvis, but we don't. One of the interesting things. So moving into gluttony as spectacle, because in France this was a big thing, and we still have this today with eating contests yeah. and, um. Was it mukbang? What is it? The Korean word for like? Oh, is it mukbang? The, the YouTube watch me eat. Yes. So yeah. we still do that, but there are two figures that I want to talk about. One, it was in England and France. Um, 
So Nicholas Wood uh, from the 16th century, he was called the Great Eater of Kent, and he would do private parties. So the famed John, uh, the poet John Taylor even wrote a poem about him titled The Great Eater of Kent or Part of the Admirable Teeth and Stomach Exploits of Nicholas Wood. Good they would come to your house and eat. And that's the best title for a poem ever. So there's also M. Dufour. Um, he was known for eating Luciferian meals. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So he was another, you know, eating performer. Wait, um, what's Luciferian? You're going to find out. Okay. Let's find out. So his most famous performance came in 1792 at a special banquet that was held just for him. Uh, a packed house admired his um, his eating prowess. He started out with it. Uh, yes. No, I'm just at a loss here on this. I am so at a loss. So say there's a dude sitting at a banquet table in front yes. of a room full of people, and they're all just watching him eat because he can eat an insane amount of food. And and so like, mingled pride and horror. Yes. Yes. And so his here's one of the loose. This was his greatest performance, a Luciferian meal. He started out with a dish of asps boiled in oil served with a salad of pricks and thistles. Okay. The then, snakes? Yes. Ask the snakes like that okay. big Cleopatra. Um, then he uh, had uh, servings of bat, owl, rat, mole, and tortoise. Tortoise is like the most normal of those three. Yeah, I, w- I would eat tortoise. Five. Um, for dessert, M. Defour enjoyed a dish of toads mixed with spiders, caterpillars, flies, and crickets. Pork. So William. here's here's where it gets weird. Wait, wait. So for his big finale, um, he also swallowed all of the candles sitting on the tables. Um, some of that. them were still lit. Um, but Dufour solved this problem by quickly washing them down with some brandy. That's not that's not wise. So sir. yeah, that's not wise. Um okay, so this is where we get into the uh is it gluttony <laughs> category of things. Is is this gluttony or is this something else? Okay. So I'm gonna warn you, this is where it gets disturbing. Okay. 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 I'm ready. So this could be possibly. Honestly, you're not going to weird, like gross me out more than the 25 pounds of oysters. (laughs) Wait for it. So, I mean, when I say this could be something else, could be pica, could be polyphagy. It could be other like thyroid, like all sorts of chemical imbalances that drive people to do these things. Okay. So Thomas Eklund. um, So he was, (laughs) he was sort of a, a, a poor man's uh, eater of Kent. He never achieved that kind of professional level because he was an alcoholic. But because of that, he was willing to do anything for a buck, essentially. And sometimes this meant eating a wide variety of uh, really unpleasant things, including live animals. Okay. And this is really weird, but amongst the people who would eat live animals... Yes. Their favorite animal to eat live were cats. What? Cats. Really? I think there were a lot of cat fish. eaters. I know, yeah. we not choose a cat. Well, there were a lot of cats, too. Okay, there that's There were a fair. lot of cats. One could just grab a cat. You could swing a cat. Like, you can't swing a cat without hitting a cat. Yeah. So, okay. 
So I'm going to tell you about the most infamous eater. The most, well, well, yes, he is the most infamous eater in history. Okay. Okay. Um, to rare. So he lived from 1772 to 1798. So he died really young. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, um, of cats. You'll find out. Okay. <laughs> he coughed up a hairball. <laughs> um, actually, he did at one point. Okay. Um, spoiler. Uh, so he was a French showman and soldier who uh, was known for, of course, his uh, unusual appetite and eating habits, but he was able to eat vast amounts of meat. He was constantly hungry. His parents had a really hard time feeding him, so he actually left home as a teenager, and he fell in with traveling bands of prostitutes and thieves until he became the warm-up act for a traveling charlatan. So in that act, he would eat things, he would swallow things like corks, stones, live animals, and things like a whole basket full of apples. Um, he then took this on the, he, he sort of branched off and started his own show on the streets of uh, Paris. So during the start or at the start of the war of the first coalition, he joined the French revolutionary army. Yes. It's Did very you? sad to start your career as a rock glass and cat eater in a city that's got so much good pastry. Yep. Well, this is where it's like, is it gluttony? Is it something else? Hmm. So he joined the French Revolutionary Army where he could never get enough to eat. So due to his ability to <laughs> due to his ability to swallow large and inedible things, however, he was enlisted as a courier to ferry military intelligence through enemy lines. Okay. So what he would do, they would put a message in a wooden box, he would swallow it, he would carry mm. it through enemy lines theoretically, right. poop it out, oh. and then deliver it to the person who needed to get the message. But was it was, a smooth wooden box? Not sure. Ah! <laughs> but he was not very SMART, so he was captured. And um, when they, you know, they held him captive until he pooped out the box, they discovered that it was essentially a test message because the, you know, the military leadership was sort of testing him out on this. Um, because they weren't sure they could trust him. And so he was beaten severely, but then sent back uh, to the French, to his troops. Um, so eventually he was hospitalized due to exhaustion. And there at the hospital, he became uh, enlisted. Well, they, they just started performing experiments on him to test his eating capacity. So he ate, uh, as part of these tests, he ate a meal intended for 15 people in a single setting ate live cats, snakes, lizards, and puppies, and swallowed eels whole without chewing. But people said that they did witness him crushing the heads of the eels before he swallowed them, so they were not live. Well, you take them tail first. It should be yes, easier. exactly. So I was saying um, eels are slippery. You don't need to chew them. Yeah, it's like hot dogs. <laughs> so they also tried to cure him. He really wanted to be cured from this because he was always hungry. Um, so he was treated with laudanum, tobacco pills, wine vinegar, and also they just tried to fill him up with soft boiled eggs. None of it worked. Um, he would sneak out of the hospital to scavenge for offal in gutters, rubbish, ah. from rubbish heaps and outside butcher shops. And he would drink the blood of other patients in the hospital when they were doing bloodletting. Oh. And I'm so sorry to have to say this. No! He ate the corpses in the morgue. 
Oh no, they were saving those. I know, right? Like, I mean, it's protein. Special occasion. Um, but also he was uh, suspected of eating a one-year-old toddler in the hospital as well. So he's kicked out. How do you, how do you, don't, don't ask questions. Don't, don't ask, don't questions. ask questions. But I don't, I don't want the answers. But he died of typhoid. Oh, oh no, that's... tuberculosis. Sorry, he died of tuberculosis. Which is a lung disease. Yes, but like when the nobody wanted to perform an autopsy on him because his body decayed so quickly because it was so diseased. Oh um, yeah, so it was just like a mess. But they did autopsy him because they were really curious about, and it was essentially just like one open canal in his body, oh like my in God. his yeah, and his stomach took up his entire abdomen, the abdominal abdominal cavity. Have you read a uh, Mary Roach's Gulp? Yes, she's it's good. So, I love Mary Roach. That's a good book. So, okay, this is, I'm going to close on, I'm going to close on another one that this guy's lesser known. And sadly, he's not the only, okay, well, I no, I won't give you a spoiler. Okay, so lesser known, Antoine Langulet, who is a contemporary of Terre. So there's something going on in France at this point. Um, so he admitted that as a, from childhood, he was used to eating very disgusting things. Um, it wasn't a matter of not having access to anything. He said that he actually enjoyed the taste. So he would eat rotten meat um, and eat uh, decomposing animal carcasses. Uh, pork. So as an adult, he stayed in, locked inside during the daytime. At night, he roamed the streets of Paris looking for tasty morsels, according to uh, uh, what I got this from. Oh, he scavenged the sewers and gutters, retrieving awful and other filthy meats. Um, he became friends with uh, Parisian horse knackers because they would give him the horses that uh, they had to put down. Ah. Okay, so even though How he was... How much of a horse could he eat before it became an imposition? <laughs> I know. Well, see, here's... Um, what is the... What is the rhyme about? Um... Oh, I can't think of it. Something about a horse, of course. And it's not the famous Mr. Ed. No. But there's something about eating a horse. Or Probably Ogden Weary. Probably. So as disgusting as he was, he probably would have escaped incarceration because he was ethically sourcing his uh, terrible, terrible foods until he desperately tried to control his appetite, but he was found digging up bodies in the cemetery. Mm, which is not ethical. And he would eat them while he was there and then take some for later. He would get to, you know, have a doggy bag, essentially. So That's all that's magical. to say, <laughs> all that's to say the whole idea of gluttony being potentially a gateway then these stories kind of illustrate that but also illustrate the whole point of maybe it's not gluttony <laughs> maybe it's maybelline maybe it's maybelline those last two really sounded like a demonic possession almost the level yeah of, the level of sheer horror and like how could this be realness of them well, I kind yeah. of wonder, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure there's, if I'd done 
more research into this. There must be articles in medical journeys. I mean, there are definitely articles about Terrer, but uh, he's kind of a really well-known figure. And there are articles, like he was a a, a subject of scientific study, but there's got to be, I mean, just kind of thinking about cannibalism, vampirism, there's often like some kind of chemical imbalance that makes people crave yeah these things as well as like pica where you eat inedible objects like live cats <laughs> but then the drunk the drunk guy was just eating them for money kind of like a uh, you know in a freak show or something mm, but mm. um cuz that's also yeah so it's not really cool. yeah it's something else entirely i think but there were yeah these are some historic and terrifying gluttons. So don't eat corpses, kids. <laughs> yeah, if you take one thing away from this podcast, please don't dig up and eat corpses. Right. Ethically source your corpses if you if you feel that need. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, reasonable. The glass coffin, for instance, has... <laughs> I'd, I'd like to end on a, a lighter note. Please. If we could open up our box of secrets and reveal our best gluttony moments. Mm, okay. This is tough. Oh, this is easy. This. Okay, go for it, Jamin. No, 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 no. You first. I I'll, have to. I'll, okay. I'll go first then. Mm-hmm. Jacob first. Thanksgiving. I was mm-hmm. in high school and my father got a little bit drunk and fell asleep after Thanksgiving dinner. So, and no one had served the pie yet. So I ate the entire pumpkin pie. Oh, well done. Well done. See, that's such an innocent, like that's wholesome. People were a little upset with me, but uh, <laughs> but upset in an understandable way. It's like, look, I would have done the same thing had I been in your shoes. A mild aside to Thanksgiving dinner, um, I had an uncle who was kind of a prankster, and he would always cut a square out of the middle of a pumpkin pie and get the very center, and then put whipped cream on it and eat it, and that would be his slice. That's really, and, really annoying. Right, right. So like you cut, a, you cut a slice of pie and none of the slices have points because he ate all the points. For years after, I would sneak into the kitchen and cut a square out of the pie and eat it out of sight and then just sit back and watch him get blamed for it. It was just, he would just look at the innocent, I didn't do it. Yeah, Dave, we know you did it, damn it. <laughs> it was the best. Uh, Victoria. I'm sure this isn't the only one because I have always been a, a a big eater, especially like, you know, when I was I could eat a ton when I was younger. And so uh we would always go, one of the Catholic churches near near us, near our house, always had this amazing um like fall festival. Ooh. And they would have homemade tamales. Oh. And they were like 10 cents per tamale. Those are not good for you. Oh. oh but it's just, so I must have eaten during one of those festivals when I was like 10 years old. Like $4 worth. I, yes, yes. Like, I mean, I kind of hit uh, Edward Dando levels of tamale eating because I just mm. kept going back, kept going back because they're so good. And I, yeah, I ate at least. At least a dozen, probably two dozen tamales. Oh, oh <laughs> and you'd be like, you go up to dad's like, hey, dad, do you have a quarter? Can I have right, a quarter? Because, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, 10 cents per tamale. No, that's that sounds kind of beautiful, actually. Uh, yeah, They're I'm so jealous. Good. Homemade tamales are the best, even though, yeah, I mean, the whole the secret is lard, um, but it makes it delicious. So, so it's probably one of my that's probably the most wholesome a lot, you know, drinking. I drank a lot when I was younger. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> Don't want to do it anymore. So. So 10 days ago. This is a recent occurrence. 10 days ago, my housemate said, Hey, Jamin, Ikea does a Christmas all-you-can-eat smorgasbord. <gasps> Do you want to go? I didn't oh. know this. This is a sad story. Oh. And I said, Ikea does an all-you-can-eat Christmas smorgasbord? He's like, yeah, I have tickets. Do you want to go? Uh-huh. And so apparently Ikea has a like, regular yearly Yule. Yeah. It's a once a year special occasion. It was quite and nice. it was amazing. And Gravlax is their smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. I had four plates of Gravlax <laughs> and wow. pickles and the little green cookie and the the glog like spiced spiced drink. Uh huh. I had so much spice uh, smoked salmon. I had so much smoked salmon that I was a little bit ill afterwards. Quite a lot ill. <laughs> Oh, it was no. so good. Oh, just nonstop in my face, smoked salmon. So I'm guessing when you say housemate, you mean Jacob. Yeah, it was Jacob. Yeah. Damn, I didn't know Ikea did that. It was amazing. It was the That's first fun. time I managed to get tickets because it's just like once a year and it's early. Oh, so you have to, okay. Late, so I always miss it. How do you get tickets? You just have to kind of stalk. In, stalk? Yeah, you okay. walk in and you give a lady money. Did you get princess cake? Did you have some princess cake? No, the, probably the, the cake with the like pink and green icing. Yeah, that would have been. Nice. Oh, there was. Yeah, that was the little green thing with the. Mm-hmm. Princess oh, cake. I missed that. It was. It was honestly. It was a very good night. Um, we had three kinds of Swedish meatballs, and so much gravlax. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I sinned. I sinned you, that night. Well, I sinned with the tamales. Mm. But I was 10 years old, or roughly. Ah, you're innocent. Or maybe I was probably even younger, because that was in our old house, so it must have been like nine. Well, dear listeners, thank you for joining us. And as we look to the end of the year and the holiday season, um, good wishes for you and your holiday of choice, whatever strange choice that might be. Hmm. And... If you want to go back for seconds, you can go back for seconds. That's That's right. No judgment here. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. You're absolved by (laughs) Jamin. And until the new year, we will see you in hell. Bye. Bark, 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 bark. Jingle bells. Bark, 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 bark. This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, those spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.